Hey, so if you're listening to this, or you're not listening yet, but if you're listening to me talking, you're about to hear a lecture from Psychology, also Biology, 2606, Introduction to Behavioral Neuroscience for the fall term of 2023. How in the hell is it 2023? That means I'm 58 years old, and I imagine that makes me old. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this, but, uh, you know, if you're one of my students, great. Uh, I'm glad you're doing this, and I do this for you. If you're somebody else listening, I really don't care what you think, but uh, actually, it's pretty great because I'm really good at this. Enjoy. But yeah, yeah. So we do, if we do do it remotely on Monday, and I'm not saying we have to, we would use Zoom. You would get a link, just like remember how Zoom works. I think you all probably have some memory of using Zoom. Uh, but that's the platform I'd use. Uh, I have a pro Zoom account, like I said. So yeah, please go ahead. Oh yeah, if I had him covered in it, it's not. Yeah. Yes, John. So. Um... Or live, and it will. There'll be a vote, so I'll send out. I'll send out a uh, a Google form to everybody, and you'll get to reply to it. And then I'll let you know if you get the class by lunch. So you have a couple of days to look at. Okay. Um, I don't want to be deciding Monday night to go to work. Later, so, and I would only do it. I, I, I do. Rec- I do that kind of thing from home because my equipment at home is. Well, it's professional level audio equipment, and at, at work it's this MacBook, which is fine, but it doesn't sound as good. And I'm kind of weird about how it sounds. Okay, so what I want to talk about today is I want to wrap everything up. I want to give you this, I think, will help you with the ideas for the essay question, the final question on the final exam. So it should be useful that way. Um, right. I like that transition. I should start using that more often. The first, these are sort of themes I've come up with. They aren't the only themes. They're the themes that occurred to me when I made up this slideshow. Okay. Uh, but remember, I make up the final exam. So the first thing is, a lot of the nervous system is counterintuitive. A lot of the way nervous systems just in general are organized. Counterintuitive, so it doesn't make sense. Would you design a nervous system like this? I think the answer would be no. Would you do motion um, and object perception separately? Like if you were building this thing, if you were making a robot and designing the thinking bits, (laughs) or yeah, the thinking, just the seeing part, would you do it that way? There's an old story, it goes back to the, 19, the uh, early 1970s about some people at a robotics conference saying, well, this summer we'll do vision. <laughs> it's not that simple. Uh, vision's a lot more complicated. But would you do motion, objects in motion and objects at rest separately? No, you wouldn't. Would you do understanding separately from production of language? I don't know. I don't think I would, but I'm not an engineer, I don't know. Anyway, the way things are organized is weird, was what that means. Um, as, which is an odd theme, but it's true, right? 
think about it. A lot of the things about how things are organized in the, in the human, in, not just human, any urban system, is just, it's counterintuitive. It doesn't really follow. I mean, my favorite one is the fact that we have, a, well, two favorites. We have a blind spot in our eyes. Would you put a blind spot in your eye? Yeah, let's make it though so the thing that sees doesn't see it parts. You wouldn't really do that. You would also probably not make the part where you process that as far away as possible from your eyes. Why isn't it right there? It doesn't make sense to me. And that is because it's an evolved system. Right? We're living things, and living things evolved. And because living things evolve, we get weird counterintuitive things because evolution only works with what it has in front of it. So if what it has in front of it is a brain that has a what an aware uh, pathway, well, it's got to build another pathway for how or something like that. Right? So it only builds with, with it builds on what it, what's already there. So the whole consciousness thing we talked about the other day, and the idea of spatial cognition being really important in us eventually having human consciousness. Understanding function can help us understand mechanism. Um, evolution's all about function, right? Evolution acts on selection, acts on the phenotype, and it acts on the results of the phenotypes affecting the environment. So because of that, We look at function, and if we look at function, we can get ideas about causation, about mechanism. Okay. This happens all throughout biology, actually. I mean, and one of the nice things about being a sort of a biological psychologist is that we're all trained in mechanisms. We're very good at mechanisms. That's what we do. Cognitive mechanisms are the bread and butter of psychology. And as a rule, that's not the bread and butter of, say, biologists. So that's where typically your psychologists step in. So when we see that something is done separately from something else, what do I mean by that? I mean that we, well, let's go back to vision again. We analyze color separately from motion. Right? Well, there's difference in that case, subsystems. There must be a motion system and a color system. And again, we probably say subsystem because we'll be talking about the visual system, right? If we look at different kinds of memory, think back to HM. Remember HM, the guy that had his hippocampus removed, which we kind of would be shocked at today. But remember what what had happened? They didn't know that that's that it was that important. Um, he could remember. Mirror tracing, remember that? He was good at mirror tracing, he could learn it. Remember the thing where you draw between the star, the lines of a star looking in a mirror? He could do that, he was good at it, he learned very quickly, just like any of us would. But he never remembered learning it. If that's the case, that tells us that there's two different kinds of memory being served by two different memory systems, or memory subsystems, if you want to say that. So we can look at the function and then say, let's make, get some hints about mechanism. And that's because this is an evolved system. Okay? Makes sense? Correct. We learn a lot about function from dysfunction. You may notice, by the way, if you've been checking out the LMS and the things I've been putting in the review um, forum thread, and most of you haven't, 
Because I can check, right? I don't know if you know this. We can tell when you looked at something on the LMS and for how long, and what your IP address was. Well, I had to it didn't upload. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. So anyway, very few of you have looked at this yet, but some of you have. Some good questions there. And one of the questions that I have that's a potential essay question, when I, by the way, those things say potential essay questions. They are, one will be chosen from these. It could be. There are, these are things to keep in mind. And one of the things I, I think one of the things I said was that we've learned a lot about function from dysfunction. Remember, dysfunction just means it's not working. So basically, case studies, right? We know that V1 sends out information because of case studies where people have blindsight. So we know that V1 sends information for analysis because when people have V1 lesions, they have cortical blindness. They, they, they report not seeing, yet they actually, as we know, they can reach out, put their hand in the right shape, etc. We know what V4, remember the case with the artist we talked about, I think, a week ago today, uh, who had uh, carbon, was carbon monoxide poisoning and couldn't imagine color anymore. He couldn't see color. Well, we know that because we can look at that person's where the lesion is and go, oh, well, if they can't see color now, they could before, they can't imagine color. Color happens here. Would we have eventually figured this out? Yeah. Would it have taken a lot longer? Uh-huh. We know about location, uh, localization, sorry, because of people like Mary Rafferty. Remember that, remember that doctor? And I'm not even going to use his name because I want Mary Rafferty to be famous. I don't want that jerk being famous. Uh, and remember, he was poking around in her head. No, we got Wilder Penfield, Canadian, doing the same thing. The difference was he was actually helping people. That other guy, again, who I will not name, who uh, worked with Mary Rafferty, uh, was just doing that because he wanted to poke around in someone's head, which is kind of weird. By kind of weird, I mean completely and utterly bizarre. And that's dysfunction again. And then I mentioned HM. Uh, HM just told us all about memory systems. The re one of the reasons for what we, in psychology, we call the cognitive revolution, which starts in the 1950s and is spearheaded by people like Brendan Milner and Donald Hebb, is getting, getting away from just looking at behavior, but also thinking about cognition. A lot of that came because of Milner's work with HM. Like that, this changed psychology, the stuff about HM. One guy, one guy, and it changed all of experimental psychology, I'd say. Huge thing. And the fact that I got to actually hang out with her for a couple days was the, with Brenda Milner was so cool. And I found out she's in the Canadian Animal research is important too. Uh, now, I'm interested in animal research for its own sake, because I think it's cool. I want to know how chickens can remember where they put food because I think that's interesting. I mean, that, and that's, but that doesn't help us here for this class. But if we're looking at stuff that can be applied to humans and to understand just nervous systems in general, think about Galvani with the frog hooked up to the uh, lightning rods. Think about Levy and pouring stuff on a heart, acetylcholine, right? The guy who discovers acetylcholine. All kinds of lesion studies. Um, you can't, well, <laughs> it was done not on, it was done to the best of intentions for, uh, get your stuff, do whatever you want. Don't be sorry. 
We have a special guest today. She's coming to get her stuff. <laughs> and she got her stuff. Thank you so much. It's not a problem. It's problem. You don't want to lose your stuff. Also, it's your coat. You kind of need that. Okay. You look like a comedian. I'm a comedian. I am. I'm, I'm, these are, I'm not very good at it. That's the problem. So I can disinstick. And I get a captive audience, and now and then I get a laugh. And I'm really in this for laughs. I don't, and if you learn something, kind of a nice side effect. Kind of an emergent property. I like that. Um, so if we're going to lesion rats, you know, like I said, HM was lesion. I mean, and that was all not on purpose. Well, it was on purpose. They didn't know what would happen. But most time now, what we do is we, we take rats or mice, we usually rats, mess with their brains a little bit, and then see what's going on. Hugely important. Blocking long-term potentiation with, with NMDA blockers. Um, showed us the importance of LTP and learning. Uh, I talked about cooling and warming parts of the brain uh, to shut down hippocampus and was that Calvert's, right? And there's other methods that are being used in rats that I don't understand, so I don't talk about them. I literally, look, what about a friend of mine? And he's trying to explain it to me like a thousand times, and I, I nod because I feel stupid when I don't understand something. Okay, yeah, sure, I get it this time. It's my friend John Crystal, not that John. Thanks, John. And then I talked to his postdoc, Danielle, who came up with this. Danielle, can you explain this to me? She's really cool and really smart. She's great. And, uh, and I go, okay, thanks. And I walk away because I don't get it. Anyway, there are other ways to do it, too. It involves messing with genomes and antibodies, and I don't know how it works. All I know is that there are other ways to shut off parts of the brain, and that can't be done in a person. Well, it could be. You wouldn't do it in a person. It would be a horrible unethical. So we do this in, in, in non humans Right. Non-invasive work's important too. Think of all the stuff about visual fields and how we know that with uh, people have a severed corpus callosum, when you show them something in their left visual field, uh, if it's a word, they have trouble reading it because it goes to their right part of their brain, which typically isn't as good at language as the left part of the brain. But that's even true if we don't use uh, Split brain patients, because that's kind of invasive. <laughs> Cutting your corpus callosum out. It would happen with you too. I would just have to project something just into one side of your eye, and you'd find the same result pretty reliably, that you wouldn't name objects as quickly. You would name objects more quickly with your left visual field, right brain, uh, and you would read words more quickly with your right visual field, left brain. It is, the difference itself is unimportant for daily life, but it's a real difference. It actually exists. The spatial cognition work that I talked about yesterday, or two days ago. The stuff that I did uh, with some of my students and stuff over the years that many people have done. Hmm. Neurological tests. Just even simple ones, like... Oh, I don't have the keys on me. Oh, right. when, the, when the neurologist takes out their pen and says, what's this? That's a very straightforward test, and they can immediately tell you are you, at least a part of your brain okay? So because if you can say that's a pencil or a pen or a stylus, or you want to call it, that's good. If you say that's an implement for writing things, and I say, sure, what's it called? And they say, you know, one of those things for writing stuff. Then you know there's something going on. There must be some kind of insult, right? 
So neurological tests are always like that. And the MRI. The MRI. I mean, it's a non-invasive. It's not a good time going on MRI, from what I understand. I've seen people do it. Anybody here done it by curiosity? It was, is it fun being on MRI? Yeah. It was fun. How long were you in? Um, I don't know. It was my like, full body. Yeah, yeah, that's what we do. Well, like, it was probably like an hour because they had to do like my back, my brain. What did you do? Because um, you can't do anything. They can't, I, you can't move. They got music playing. Okay. And then you just kind of... A couple of drinks or anything? Or no. <laughs> a pack of cigarettes, something to do? I know. They talk to you. They talk to you. Okay. Well, no, they just say like, are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, exactly, because you're in a tube going, not really, I'm in a tube. Yeah. I'd be saying that a lot. Which I'd probably try to get. get it laughs. wasn't like as like it's kind of cozy. It's yeah. not like like scary. Yeah. See, what you call cozy, I call being in a tube. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, I mean, it's it's not a great time, but it's not invasive, right? Like you don't have to. They don't say if you had any other MRIs. Like it's not like an X-ray machine. It's not going to hurt you. It'll hurt you if you leave your earrings in. It'll really hurt you. I'll rip them out of your ears. That's why you don't wear earrings. Also, if you have tattoos, it will not, the ink in the tattoo ink will not, it's fine. Is that like a myth? Oh, is it ever a myth, yeah. Oh, I've never heard that before. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad I'm now perpetuating it. <laughs> Hello, internet, it won't hurt you. Okay. It's a, yeah, but no, people say that. I think maybe I know about that because my niece is a tattoo artist and maybe I've heard it from her that she said, she knows it's bullshit too. She's bright enough to know it's bullshit, but yeah. Ever heard of that? <laughs> the nervous system's hierarchical. Um, hierarchy's obvious. Uh, the vision stuff is the greatest example of the hierarchy. But I mean, just think about how the whole nervous system's are, uh, organized. Right? Let's draw a little picture here. You got the C and A. Sorry, that, 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 let's. let's uh, yeah, let's, let's do it that way. So you got the central nervous system. You got the peripheral nervous system. You got the autonomic nervous system. And if you want, you can just say at the top, nervous system. And then below the CNS, you would have what? Three things. What are they below the CNS? They would be the brain. The spinal column and the cerebellum. Brain, spinal column, cerebellum. Peripheral nervous system doesn't have anything like that. Autonomic would have what? What do you think, John? I think it would be the, um, the hand. My uh, legs. Yeah, that's peripheral. Oh. But we wouldn't call those separate things. Under the autonomic nervous system. Right. Yeah, you doesn't. Okay, so autonomic. I'm sorry, what did you say? What's the easy? X something X X. I think you're close. You're close. I know one of those the enteric. Well, just the word sympathetic and parasympathetic. Sympathetic and parasympathetic, which are words that mean something. So the sympathetic and parasympathetic fires you up, cools you down. And there, that's a hierarchy, isn't it? That's a hell of a hierarchy. There's something at the top, the whole nervous system, brain, spinal column. And I see, John, why you said, well, your hand or your arm or whatever, because these are separate parts. 
they're thought of as being separate. This is thought of as being one big thing. So I get what you're saying. And I guess I could have, whoops, what just happened there? I lost my connection. Well, that's not good. Let's go back to it. Um, yeah, here, right? No. Anyway, um, oh, that's great. What are you doing? Nothing's working. Pro oh, now it's back. Anyway, uh, if you look at it, if you think about the sympathetic and parasympathetic, you think about the brain, spinal column, cerebellum, all this stuff, it's, it's, it is a hierarchy. Well, there are two streams in vision. Uh, three, actually. Vision, <laughs> right? language. But if you want to just go dorsal and ventral stream, even that's fine. But that's two things happening at once. Think about vision. Think about all that stuff being sent out in vision to different parts of the brain for organization and for understanding and for analysis. That's happening all at once. When we think about cell assemblies, this is this notion that have had that a whole bunch of cells together operating, or a whole bunch of cells fire together, we call that a cell assembly, and that usually represents something. The idea of, I, I've talked about cluster N in songbirds, and how it is something that's sensitive to the Earth's magnetic field. And I know when you hear cluster N, it sounds like it's a brain region, but really it's more a pattern of activation. And that's a cell assembly. That's what Hebb would call a cell assembly. Okay. And yeah, okay, so my last thing there was actually the peripheral nervous system, the central nervous system, and the autonomic nervous system. So this is a thing that I've been, I've been harping on this all year. The nervous systems are hierarchical and parallel. And it's something that if you keep this, this in mind, and also these other things I talked about, I think it really help you in putting everything together. Okay? Any questions so far? I mean, I, think, I hope this is all stuff you know, but yeah, John. So what's part of the uh, central nervous system? How do you mean? So the brain is... Brain, spinal column, cerebellum. All in the cerebellum. That's right. And remember, there's some differences, right? Remember, the central nervous system doesn't, uh, doesn't repair itself. Peripheral nervous system does repair itself. Remember, the communication in central and peripheral is neural. Communication in the autonomic nervous system is hormonal. But if you keep these ideas in mind, you'd be in pretty good shape. Um, all right. So, like I said, on Monday, we'll either do, uh, oh, please, go ahead. Um, I'm just wondering, why yes. do you say cerebellum and brain for the central nervous system? Like, I know that cerebellum's like the second brain, like this. Yeah. Like, but why do you say both? Because doesn't, like, cerebellum include it in the brain? Oh, right. Um, some people do conclude it, and some people don't. Okay. Yeah, so I'm just trying to be more... You're never wrong if you say cerebellum and brain. Yeah. If you just say brain and someone thinks cerebellum is separate from brain, like I do, they'll say, well, we're selling cerebellum. Other people go, oh, yeah, I know what you mean. So I just figure, why not just say, oh, let's just do it, do it. Okay. 
think of them as separate because it doesn't hurt anything. It's not like saying brain and frontal lobe. Everyone knows the frontal lobe is part of the brain. Or something like that. It's a good question. Yes, John. So, um, part of the autonomic nervous system, yes. does that include a parasympathetic and sympathetic? That's right. And remember, the sympathetic gets you going. And it's what, when you recognize a threat of some sort. Yeah. So, if I was coming at you like that, uh, <laughs> it's, it's parasympathetic helps me cool down. That's exactly correct. Okay. Yes, that's right. One runs on epinephrine and norepinephrine, the other one runs on cortisol. Okay. Uh, like I said on Monday, we will. Uh, I will send out a little. What's the word? Poll, asking you to vote if you want it remote or live. Uh, if it's remote, I'll record it. Like I'll record the video, put it on the LMS. Okay. Our final exam is on December the 11th. Uh, it's at nine o'clock, and I think it's here, in this room. It's. It's the same format as you've seen. So it's definitions, a diagram, and an essay question. It's a two-hour final. You will do not need two hours because it's the same length as test one, which most of you finish in about an hour. Don't feel bad if you're done in an hour. Doesn't mean you didn't write enough. Well, it might, be it might mean you didn't know a damn thing. But it also might mean you got perfect. So don't feel bad. You should engage that like that anyway. Just think, am I done? I'm done. Right. Remember when I took first year sociology in my third year? I finished the final exam in 17 minutes. Because I was in third year. I was taking a first year class. It was trivially easy. Right? No problem. On the other hand, I've also had exams that I didn't do as well in that I also handed <laughs> finished pretty quickly. So I think we, and we've all, I think, had those experiences. Um, right. Uh, I just want to say thanks to everybody. Uh, I really enjoy teaching this class. It's a lot of fun, um, even when they move our room around and it <laughs> smells like a high school locker room in here and people sit in here till 10.05 giving presentations and all kinds of other stuff. I just want to tell you, I'm, um, if you're doing okay, keep doing what you're doing. Remember to, to divide up your studying into smaller bouts. Uh, always email me questions is the other thing. I can also tell you that, like I said, uh, if the Zoom thing happens, come to that. If not, come to this. Uh, finally, um, I really, as much as at times my job makes me want to chew on tinfoil, because it's more fun than my job, uh, <laughs> usually I quite like it. And getting to know all of you has been very cool. And I hope to teach a lot of you again in the future. And I just want to say thank you very much. It's an honor to teach you. And I'll see you in the future. Thanks, everybody. Yep.
So thanks for listening uh, to the lecture. I hope you got something out of it, as I noted in the intro. Um, these are copyrighted, uh, share like 3.0 Canada, uh, some rights reserved. So you can redistribute this all you want, but if you redistribute it, uh, you can't make any money off of it. Uh, and also, uh, if you mash it up, I get to mash up your stuff. Uh, most of the mu the vast majority of the music I found was on an old website called GarageBand, which doesn't exist anymore. Uh, and then it was called Podsafe Music. So this is all music that I have, uh, that it's perfectly reasonable to uh, put on these podcasts. Uh, if you are interested, I can oftentimes find the, the name of the band. The name of the band will be listed in the post. And uh, go look these bands up and, and buy their music, because... Um, if they're cool enough to let me use this, you should be cool enough to pay 99 cents or whatever to buy one of their songs. Uh, on that note, I will see you next time. <laughs>